Good morning, City Light. How we doing? Good. If you're new here, my name is Chuck, and I am the City Group's pastor at our church. And basically what that means is I get to connect with people, and then I connect those people I meet with other people. Now, I don't know. Is it, can I just say that I love my job? Is it all right for a pastor to say that he loves what he is doing? Because I really do. Um, you know, it's, I get to do that thing that I enjoy the most, which is being with people and building relationships with people and then resourcing people. Probably the hardest part of my job is counseling Doug and Eric through all these different areas of conflict. I mean, you guys get a little bit of it on Sundays with them going back and forth with with each other, but the rest of the staff will tell you that it gets a little bit ridiculous to hear them going back and forth throughout the week. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. No, not really. I don't. Um, we we are a, we get to be a part of a great team of people. There's not a more uh, life-giving, empowering, Jesus-loving group of guys than what our staff is. Uh, Doug and Eric are great leaders, incredible leaders, and it is a privilege to be a part of this team. Um, I'd like to start this morning with a question. How many of you like change? Change comes at us in so many different ways. Now, there are different types of changes. There are changes in circumstances, and many of our families are going through these types of changes as people are going back to school and back to college. Um, Many of you maybe have taken that five-year-old for the first time, had that joy, or maybe it was a sad time of taking that five-year-old and dropping them off at kindergarten. Many of our, of our students are going from elementary to junior high or from junior high to high school or maybe even from high school to college. Some of our college students have graduated and they are working their real job for the first time in their life. And then there's others of us who have been in the workforce for years and we may be looking toward retirement. The point is, is that change comes at us in so many different ways, and our changes in our circumstances, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But there's a different kind of change that, generally speaking, happens to us less frequently. That's a change of heart. Let me see if I can explain a little bit better. Probably one of the most significant changes that have taken place in my life in the last year or so is my view on how my brothers and sisters who have black skin are treated differently than what I am. I mean, folks, racism is a real thing. I've got black brothers who, when they travel to Colorado and they stop in a fast food restaurant in western Nebraska, they're treated in an entirely different way than what I am. I've realized that I'm often given the benefit of the doubt when I walk into a clothing store or when I am driving in my car at a certain hour of night that my black friends don't have. For me, that's a heart-level change. There was a time when I couldn't see that 
Or maybe I didn't want to see that. But now I value at a core level equality for my black brothers and sisters. Does that make sense? You get that? That's a significant heart change. For you, it may not be the issue of racism. Or maybe it's not the issue of white privilege. Maybe it boils down to the fact that you are treating that family member differently than what you should. Maybe it's the posture that you take toward your spouse or toward your children. But my point is, is that heart change happens less frequently and it's usually more impactful because it gets at the very core of who we are. It gets at the core of what we value most. And we're going to be looking at some verses in the Bible for the next couple of weeks that's going to guide our thoughts about our core values as a church. Our scripture for today comes right on the heels of Peter preaching this incredible message of who Jesus is. And Peter preached, uh, after Peter preached, you have this big crowd of people that uh, are affected at a real heart level. What they heard, it changed them at their core. And when they asked the question, what shall we do? What they're really saying is, hey, Peter, I've changed. We've changed our mind about who Jesus is. And you know what? When a guy who was killed and died, when he raises himself from the dead, people tend to change their mind about who he is. Wouldn't you agree? When we talk about our core values, We talk about who City Light is at a core level, at a heart level. When you rip away this cool worship space or Eric's awesome beard or Doug's incredible biceps. There you go. I just got to wait for the response, don't I? What you have left is our core values, what we really believe at a heart level. We describe them with directions. Now, come on, if you, if you know them, I need some help with them, all right? Down, up, in, and out. We express our core values of down, up, in, and out. When we talk, when we talk about down, we're talking about the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God reached down through his son Jesus to defeat sin and death. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus did what we never could do. This gospel is the power of God that defeats the presence of sin, the penalty of sin, and the power of sin in our life. We never move past the gospel. Now, when we talk about up, we're trying to communicate the idea that we have all been formed into this certain kind of person. The goal of the gospel is not just to save us from hell, but to reform us and to reshape our character. We proclaim the gospel not just as the front door to Christianity, but as the good news that we live by daily. In is community. We want to be known as a community that is committed to each other and that is loving each other well, and doing life together. We often say that the church is not a place, but it's a people. And we're going to talk a lot more about this today. Out is mission. 
The Bible teaches that the church exists to be on mission to accomplish all that Jesus asked us to do in Acts 1.8. Jesus commanded us to be his witnesses. Now, Doug's going to deal a little bit more about the down and the up next week. This week, I get to talk about the in and the out. Now, here's the big idea that will guide our thought about these core values of in and out. Jesus changes how we relate to others. When he changes us, he makes us generous and he makes us glad. Jesus makes us generous and he makes us glad. In the passage that Whitney read earlier, you see generosity all over the place, don't you? Look at verses 45 and 46. Look at some of those phrases that are in there. Selling their possessions and belongings. Distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you see it? Jesus changes how we relate to others by making us generous. Christians in this first ever church plant, they were deeply affected by who Jesus is and who Jesus was. They had this personal experience with Jesus, but that didn't keep them from focusing on one another. There wasn't a choice of, do I chase hard after Jesus Or do I meet the needs of those around me? What happened is they chased hard after Jesus by meeting the needs of those around them. And City Light, I am so thankful that Jesus has made you a generous people. I can't talk about generosity in our church without talking about how you guys responded to the Penningtons when they had the house fire. When they had that fire, they lost everything that they owned. You guys gave and you gave and you gave. In fact, everything that you gave, we probably could have set up some, some sort of a thrift store here in our building. You clothed them with your generosity. You fed them with your generosity. You housed them with your generosity. And that's the type of stuff that's going on here in Acts 2. It's radical and sacrificial generosity. Believers weren't just focusing on themselves or their own walk with Jesus. Each person was considered to be a vital vein in the body and they wanted to make sure that everyone was being cared for. Only Jesus can do that, folks. Only Jesus transforms a heart and makes a person generous. Recently, my friends um, Yarden and Abby Medeiros, they had a garage sale to raise some money for uh, adoption. They're getting ready to adopt, and adoption is expensive. So they asked if people would be willing to donate stuff to their garage sales so that they could raise more money. Well, you guys gave, like, really good stuff. You didn't give the stuff that probably I would give. You guys gave some really nice stuff. You raised a lot of money. Not only that, what you did is there were lots of jobs. There was set up and tear down and all of these things that had to be done, all these different tasks. And all of these tasks were spread over Dozens of people who lended a helping hand. Abby told a story about 
a friend of hers. They were in, the, uh, in this room and they actually had to stand on piles of things and throw bags back and forth to one another so that they could get all of this mess organized. I mean, it was crazy. It was radical and sacrificial generosity. My wife and I, we're getting ready to move here in, uh, this week, and I'm sitting on my couch. I get a text from a city group leader, and he says, uh, hey, Chuck, I hear you're moving. Could you let us know what day it is that you're going to be moving? Because we want to bring a crew over and be sure to give you a hand. Another couple said, hey, by the way, here's my truck and my trailer. Use it for as long as you need to use it. Folks, that is radical generosity. That's generous community, City Light. But I feel like I want to clarify something here. When the Bible says generous, we automatically think of money or things. And that's certainly involved, but with these first Jesus followers, it's so much more than money and things. They're generous with their time together. They attended temple together. They saw each other daily. They're generous with their food. They're eating together. They're celebrating Jesus together. They're generous with their friendships. They were devoted to one another. They were patient with one another. And they grew with one another. So yes, generosity included their finances. But it was also much more than that. It shaped their generosity. And they were in in so many more different ways. And that's what city groups are all about generosity towards each other. In my city group, people were teaching me what it means to be generous with their time. When I'm in Rwanda, I come home to find out that people from my city group, they donated their time and cut down brush and trees at my house so they could look better. Um, I've learned about being generous with food. When our city group gets together, we make Uh, like freezer meals for those who are in need, who maybe have something going on in life, don't have time to cook. We get together, we're generous with our food, and we make these freezer meals together. There's emotional generosity. When we enter into a hard season of life with each other, there's that emotional type of generosity. If faith in Jesus is like a single flower, that like it captures your attention, right? then city group or community is like a meadow that takes your breath away. City groups are a beautiful expression of generosity, and we want each of you to be a part of one. City Light, Jesus changes how we relate to others by making us generous. Secondly, Jesus changes how we relate to others by making us glad. I want you to look in verse 46. Look in verse 46. Look at that phrase, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you know what that word glad means? It means exceeding joy. Exceeding joy. Something as simple, something as basic as receiving their food, they did it with exceeding joy. Now, Jesus makes us glad. I had to look up this word Joy. Joy sometimes for me can be a word that like you know it when you see it, but sometimes it can be a little bit hard to define. And so I did what most people do when you don't know what to do or you don't know what something means. I looked it up on Google. So I found this definition of joy. 
Joy is the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. I kind of like that definition. Delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. It's how you might feel when that baby sleeps through the night the first time. Can you guys remember that? That baby sleeps through the night the first time? There's some exceeding joy going on there. Or when you come home from a long trip and you see your family in the airport, ready to receive you, giving you hugs and kisses, exceeding joy. Or maybe if that doesn't connect, how about when the next episode of This Is Us comes out? All right, there's some exceeding joy there. You're really glad and there is exceeding joy. Isn't that what Jesus is? Jesus is exceptionally good and satisfying. He's better than that junk that you've had stored up in your storage shed for the last three years. He's better than that food that you go to to satisfy you only to find out that it puts on the pounds and makes you unhealthy. It's better than that job that you love only to get laid off. Jesus is better than all of that stuff. Jesus doesn't fall apart or leave you. He doesn't fire you or leave you hungry. He's satisfied. He's faithful. He gives us purpose and he fills us up. Jesus is exceptionally good and he is satisfying and he is why we have joy. This first church, it had some joy and it was compelling to those around them. These glad hearts were filled with joy and joy spilled out and overflowed to those around them that hadn't yet met Jesus. Jesus, they, they were compelled to believe. The Bible tells us in verse 47 that they were praising God and they had favor with all the people and that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. A glad heart it matters as we're on mission. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed yet or not, but we kind of turn the joy level up around here. When you get out of that car or when you get out of that shuttle, we want you to experience joy because if you experience joy, you experience Jesus. Jesus is delightful. Jesus is good. Jesus is satisfying, and because of what he's done for us, we are glad, and we have exceeding joy, and we celebrate what he's doing. He's changing the lives of men and women and boys and girls. We've seen Jesus change hundreds of lives. We've seen over 50 people go from death to life, from not knowing Jesus to expressing faith in Jesus. We've seen people who have walked for Jesus, walked with Jesus for a long time, express um, more obedience to him. They're walking with him in new and different ways, taking steps of faith. We've seen people take uh, repent of sin and ask for forgiveness and walk in a different way. When people's eyes are opened up to the beauty of Jesus and when people who have been Christians for a long time are still growing in their faith, it gives us joy and it makes us glad and honestly, it just spills over. We can't help but have ex exceeding joy. Jesus makes us glad and it impacts our mission. 
My friend Ray, who helped lead a, uh, a city group here in our church, he works for a plumbing supply company over in Omaha. Ray wakes up before the crack of dawn every morning, works long hours and hard days of pulling steel pipe and copper tubing for different, uh, different projects. Recently, Ray had a, uh, a performance evaluation. And you know what his boss told him? Asked him this question. Ray, why are you always so happy? Ray said, hey, it's the joy of the Lord. And it gave Ray an opportunity to tell his boss about Jesus. Jesus makes us glad and it spills out and makes our heart uh, glad and it spills out to those who don't yet know him. This gladness, this joy has been a mark of Christians for centuries. There was this guy named Caesar Hadrian back in the second century. So it's about a hundred years. His reign was about the first part of the second century. So it's about a hundred years after our time that we're talking about here in the book of Acts. Caesar Hadrian heard about this group of Jesus followers, and he wasn't quite sure what to think about them because he thought that maybe their loyalty was a little bit disjointed and not loyal to Rome. And so he hired this guy, he commissioned this guy named Aristides to go and check out this group of believers. And so Aristides did that, and he reported back to Caesar Hadrian. And I want you to see what he reported back to the emperor. They love one another, and he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if there is among them any that are poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast for two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life. And truly, this is a new people. And there is something divine in the midst of them. Jesus changes how we relate to others, see, right? When, this, when Jesus changes our heart, he makes us generous and he makes us glad. So to wrap this up, I have a few questions for you. Has Jesus changed you? Has Jesus captivated your heart? Has he captured you? Has he changed you? Has he captivated you with his uncommon love and kindness? You might say, I know who Jesus is, but I don't necessarily know him like that. Can I invite you to take a step? Can I invite you just to take a step with Jesus today? You might say that, I think that's me. Well, it's easy to take that next step. You just admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're broken. That you can't live this life on your own. That you can't live a life perfectly pleasing to God. And then believe that Jesus did that. Jesus lived that life for you. He lived that life and he died the death that you should have died so that you could live the life that you couldn't live. And then just call on his name. Just call on his name. 
You can express that to God right now where you sit. If that's you and that expresses your heart, there's going to be people in the back that will help, you know, will pray with you, will talk with you about that. If that expresses your heart, there will be people back there. But some of you may say, you know, I've been a Jesus follower for a while. Can I remind you that Jesus makes us generous? He makes us glad. Are you a generous person? Not just with money, but in all areas of your life, with your time, with your talents, with your emotions, with your relationships. Are you a generous person? Are you glad? What would your coworkers say about you? Is exceeding joy spilling over into others or onto others through you? If not, if that's not you, that's okay. It's okay to say it's not. We don't want you to live in guilt or shame right now. We want you to come to Jesus and ask him to make you generous. Ask him to make you glad. Ask him to renew a right spirit within you and reconnect with Jesus and begin to walk with him again. Folks, Jesus makes us glad. Jesus makes us generous. Jesus changes our heart, and he can do that for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace and your love. Father, thank you that you change our heart, that you can change a heart, that you can make people generous, that you can make people glad. And I pray that you would do that today. Would you change hearts? Do you encourage the people to take steps of faith in you this morning? Yeah, Lord, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.